Central government failure, state-level government repression, and religiously motivated violence by non-state actors have turned parts of Nigeria into a hotbed of persecution. Hello and welcome to the USERF Spotlight podcast, a weekly podcast series by the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, where we take a deep dive into religious freedom conditions around the world, breaking the situation down for you. Each week, we focus on a different country, region, or topic. Not only do we analyze and explain the religious freedom situation to our listeners, but we also make policy recommendations to the United States government in order to address the immense challenges we bring to light here. Now here is the host of our show, USERF Director of Outreach and Policy, Dwight Bashir, to lead today's discussion. Welcome to USERF Spotlight. Today we're going to discuss USERF's 2022 annual report, just released this week. It represents the culmination of a year of research and reporting and includes some consequential changes from last year. Among those significant updates are several countries where religious freedom conditions either continued to deteriorate or significantly worsened in 2021, such as Afghanistan and the Central African Republic. USERF has featured conditions in these countries and others in numerous reports, spotlight episodes, and virtual events over the last year. And our new annual report brings together the resulting key findings and recommendations for U.S. policy. In addition to this year's report, this year's report continues USERF's longstanding commitment to bring to light a wide variety of threats to religious freedom around the world, as well as to making substantive and meaningful recommendations to the U.S. government as to how best it should respond to those challenges. Today, we're delighted to welcome USERF Chair Nadine Mayenza to discuss key findings, trends, and recommendations from this year's annual report. She's been a commissioner since 2018 and chair since June of 2021, a period of time that's uh, seen both crises and victories uh, for international religious freedom. Chair Mayenza's second and final term with the commission will conclude uh, next month in May, uh, which we'll come back to later in the episode. Chair Mayenza, welcome back to USERF Spotlight. Thank you, Dwight. It's, it's a pleasure to join you today. I'd like to express from the outset my gratitude to my fellow commissioners and USERF's professional staff, all of whom work tirelessly together to assemble this thorough and important annual report. Thank you so much again for your leadership. Why don't we start off the bat uh, uh, to discuss the first item that you know people will see when they look at the annual report, and that's the cover. Uh, why did USERF uh, choose to highlight Afghanistan on the cover this year? So this year's cover um, with Afghanistan is because really it was such a disastrous downward spiral in August um, following the full US withdrawal and immediate takeover of the Taliban. So because of the drastic changes, it really seemed appropriate to um, put Afghanistan uh, on the cover this year. And of course we, you know, the consistent renewed conflict and the persistence of the severe religious freedom violations are, are overwhelming and is something we really felt like we needed to focus on this year. And USERF, as you know, has reported on Afghanistan in our annual reports since the commission was first established. And until this year, we had recommended the country for inclusion in the State Department's special watch list, or it had been a previously a tier two country uh, um, of religious freedom violators every year since 2006. With the Taliban's return to power, religious freedom conditions in Afghanistan, and of course the broader human rights environment, has significantly deteriorated. Religious minorities have faced harassment, detention, and even death due to their faith or beliefs. The country's one known remaining Jew and most Hindus and Sikhs have fled 
Christian converts, Baha'is, and Ahmadiyya Muslims were forced to practice their faith in hiding due to the reprisals and threats from the Taliban, and years of progress towards more equitable access to education and representation of women and girls has disappeared. Given this um, precipitous decline in religious freedom conditions, users have taken the step of recommending in this year's annual report that the State Department designate Afghanistan under the de facto Taliban government as a country of particular concern, or a CPC, under the International Religious Freedom Act of 1998. I should point out, Dwight, too, that USER's last CPC recommendation for Afghanistan was a distant 21 years ago, in 2001 right before the ousting of the previous Taliban regime, which at that point had controlled most of the country since 1996. One of the key recommendations we're making in this year's annual report, in fact, comes in response to these circumstances. We're urging the Biden administration to expand the existing priority two or P2 designations, granting US refugee admission program access for certain Afghan nationals and their family members to explicitly include Afghan religious minorities who are extreme risk of religious persecution, as we've just discussed. That situation is indeed deeply troubling, and yet there are other country-level and transnational trends that have also uh, prompted concern over the past year. Can you share with our audience some of the most pressing concerns that we've documenting in the report this year? Sure. While we remain concerned for all the countries included in this report, of course, a few specific places have particularly drawn our attention this year. For example, we had moved the Central African Republic or CAR from last year's annual report following improvements in religious freedom conditions after previously reporting on the country since 2015. But during 2021, Central African authorities and their partners committed egregious and ongoing violations of religious freedom in CAR, including targeted abductions, torture, and killings of Muslims, which led us to reinstate our recommendation that the State Department place CAR on its special watch list. We're also continuing to draw attention to the dire circumstances in Nigeria, particularly given what we view as the State Department's inexplicable removal in November of that country from its CPC list and the failure to even include it on its special watch list. Central government failure, state-level government repression, and religiously motivated violence by non-state actors have turned parts of Nigeria, which is Africa's most populous country of approximately 211 million, into a hotbed of persecution, particularly in the north. That situation remained just as concerning this last year, so we certainly maintain that it should return to CPC status in 2022. I would like to add that we're also troubled by the potential for backsliding in countries that did not meet the CPC or the SWL um, standard this year, particularly Sudan, which had been a success story for religious freedom improvements since 2019. But given that the October 2021 military takeover now threatens many of the advancements that the former civilian-led transitional government made, including in religious freedom protections, Yusuf is closely monitoring the situation and will speak out if backsliding does indeed occur. As you well know, uh, Chair Manza, we also like to point out a progress when countries move in a positive direction through a form of laws or implementation of new policies that, that certainly bode well for religious freedom. Can you touch on uh, a few areas where we saw some improvements to religious freedom over the past year? Absolutely, Dwight. There are some bright spots to report from in 2021 related to both individual cases and country-level changes. Let me highlight just a few. In Egypt, the government overtook and completed and planned a number of projects renovating historic houses of worship and shrines of importance to Christians, Jews, and Shia Muslims. And President LCC issued a decree in March 2021, establishing distinct separate religious endowments for countries' smaller Catholic and evangelical Protestant communities, distinct from the 
predominant Coptic Orthodox patriarch. In Saudi Arabia, for example, we have long recommended the CPC designation. The government lifted some restrictions to allow women to change their legal name and conduct the Hajj pilgrimage without a male guardian's permission. As in prior years, um, the government also removed um, from school textbooks some intolerant content directed at religious minorities. Also, it still has much work to do in terms of its curriculum reform and religious freedom conditions generally. And finally, Eritrea showed some rare glimmers of hope last year. Authorities in the capital city, Asmara, set free around 130 prisoners of conscience from various religions and denominations between February and April. And I'm pleased to note that last August, the Eritrean Embassy in Washington, D.C. engaged with USERF on issues of freedom of religion or belief for the first time. We hope to see these positive developments and others gain momentum in 2022, of course. Also, as you, as you know, uh, Chair Manza, a central part of USERF's mandate is uh, to make policy recommendations to Congress, the State Department, and the President as to how to respond uh, to religious freedom violations around the world. How does USERF view the US government's record on fulfilling its obligations under the International Religious Freedom Act of 1998 and implementing USERF's recommendations over the past year? Dwight, that is a great question and one that can sometimes be a challenge to answer as our recommendations sometimes impact US policy behind closed doors. But I'm pleased to report that in prior years, we can note a number of recommendations that the US government clearly carried out over the past year or so. First, USERF has continued to recommend efforts by subsequent administrations to keep international religious freedom an implicit foreign policy priority. And we did in fact see that prioritization in practice in 2021. Since taking office in January of 2021, the Biden administration has maintained and continued many of the international religious freedom or earth-related initiatives from the previous administration. For example, we've recommended the administration's prioritization of earth-related appointments, and several of these spots were indeed filled last year. We were pleased to see President Biden nominate Rashad Hussein in July 2021 to serve as the ambassador at large for earth. He was confirmed in December and sworn in January of this year. The administration also nominated Deborah Lipstadt as a special envoy to monitor and combat anti-Semitism, granting the rank of ambassador to the position for the first time. She was confirmed last month after the reporting period. In 2021, the administration also appointed Undersecretary for Civilian Security, Democracy and Human Rights, Azar Zayat, to serve concurrently as a special coordinator for Tibetan issues. Many of our recommendations, of course, focus on the country level, and we certainly saw some of those implemented this last year. For the first time, the State Department designated Russia as a CPC, which we have recommended since 2017. And between January and September 2021, the Treasury Department imposed global magnitsky sanctions on individuals from both state and non-state entities who have been responsible for egregious human rights abuses and religious freedom violations in Iraq, China, Syria, Cuba, and Iran. In March 2021 and March 2022, respectively, we also saw the administration recognize this genocide and crimes against humanity, the atrocities perpetrated by the Chinese government against Uyghur and other Turkic Muslims, and by the Burmese military against Rohingya Muslims. Finally, a very public implementation of one of our recommendations also came in the form of the Biden administration's decision to hold a diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing, China. Since 2020, USERF has called on the US government to not send official represent representatives to the Olympics if China's horrific treatment of Uyghur Muslims and other forms of several religious repression persisted. 
We would have preferred an end to those conditions, of course, but we are glad to see the Biden administration take this principled stand on China's deplorable behavior. Well, that's quite a list, obviously, and, and it doesn't always happen year to year, but uh, good to see, obviously, the continued uh, prioritization. With these areas of implementation in mind, then what are some of USERF's key recommendations for the year ahead uh, where we would like to see uh, movement? Our primary recommendations for our mandate relate to countries that we believe have demonstrated sufficient religious freedom violations as to merit either a designation as a CPC or inclusion on the special watch list. For 2022, we recommended the CPC designation for 10 countries and additional designations for five countries, including Afghanistan and Nigeria, which we've discussed. For the special watch list, we've recommended the state again include three countries in addition to nine others. We've recommended the redesignation of seven non-state actors and entities of particular concern or EPCs. For individual country recommendations, I'd refer listeners to these specific country chapters where they can find nuanced reporting and analysis of religious freedom conditions. Each country chapter also includes several meaningful policy recommendations for the US government to address religious freedom conditions in those individual contexts. And those can be found at usurf.gov. Great. <laughs> uh, as I mentioned at the top uh, uh, of our uh, discussion, uh, Chair Manza, you'll be concluding your time with USURF in just a matter of weeks following three years as a commissioner in the past year as chair. Uh, I wanted to you know, get your views here. What have been some of uh, USERF's most significant accomplishments during your tenure? And, and could you share with us uh, at least one or two of your most meaningful experiences uh, during your time at USERF? Well, first I'd have to say serving alongside the other USERF commissioners and staff in a bipartisan and unified way has been among the most meaningful experiences I've had. Um, in terms of, of some of our um, accomplishments, certainly seeing the US government designate the, um, the violence against the Rohingya Muslims in Burma genocide is an important um, milestone that I was pleased to see happen before I left the commission. And having just returned from Uzbekistan for a second time, I'd have to mention working with their ambassador and government officials, our staff, US officials, and civil society towards real change there has been a highlight um, for me personally and certainly for USERF. Um, USERF's work on Syria, particularly highlighting the remarkable religious freedom conditions under the autonomous administration of North and East Syria, and really changing the narrative about um, the conditions there has, has certainly been another highlight. There is so much we can learn from the people of Northeast Syria, who not only defeated the ISIS caliphate, but also built self-governance and developed a society that embraced religious freedom. And of course, working with the Syriac, Syrian, Chaldean community and the Yazidi community in Iraq and in Syria will always be close to my heart. Um, and there's so much we can do in supporting these communities that are still decimated from the 2014 genocide. And, and as you know, Dwight, so much of what we do at USERF is behind the scenes, um, advocating for, for some communities that are especially oppressed, we do more quietly. And so certainly a lot of the things um, that I've been involved in that way as well um, have been so meaningful. And of course, um, are advocating for the prisoners of conscience and getting to know their stories, you know, seeing Raif Badawi released, um, Yusuf Nadakani um, at least temporarily released, you know, I heard from a former um, prisoner that Yusuf has advocated for and got Easter greetings from, from him. And that was just wonderful to know that we could make a difference in their lives and those of their families. Um, and also, you know, tell the story of so many others who are suffering around the world um, simply because of what they believe or they don't believe. And, um, you know, being a part of USERF has helped me to better understand the importance of civil society. You know, while having governments change their laws and activities is is necessary for real change. Work must also be done on the ground to educate and prepare societies to embrace that change. So it has been, you know, a 
real honor and a privilege to work um, and serve as you, on, on USURF, especially as the chair. But I'll continue to work together with USURF and, and hopefully see all of you as I move over to the civil society side of things, you know, to continue to advocate um, for all to have the right to um, believe or not to believe. Well, we'll have to leave it right here. I want to extend a, a very genuine thank you to USURF Chair Nadine Manza uh, for sharing uh, some of the key takeaways from our annual report uh, this year, brand new annual report. But more importantly, for her leadership over the past year and her passion and commitment uh, to USURF over the last four years. And we really thank her for her service and will certainly miss her tireless efforts. And I can confirm for you, tireless. She, she works a lot behind the scenes that you don't see, but she really uh, made some significant contributions to you. So if you hear it through some of the things that have moved and you know, there are years I've been around the commission for, for two decades and seeing, you know, sometimes things take a long time, but we've seen a lot of positive things and movement uh, in, in a short period of time. So we really thank her for her service on behalf of those who are oppressed around the world. You can find USURF's 2022 annual report and view our rollout event on our website. Thanks for tuning in today and we'll see you next time on USURF Spotlight. To learn more about USURF and about global religious freedom concerns, visit usurf.gov. That's U-S-C-I-R-F dot gov. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at USCIRF. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for another USURF Spotlight.